0: Hi, my name is Jameson. Welcome to the Unexpected Experts podcast, a show where we dive into the vast spectrum of human knowledge and the ways that our experiences make us experts in unexpected ways. Thanks so much for listening. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Unexpected Experts. This week, um, Andrea and I have our mutual friend, Chad Yuki, on the podcast. Chad is uh, now an American resident uh, at this point, um, down in San Diego. And uh, he's the dog dad of a little, a little pup named Riley and a soon-to-be dad uh, in July. Him and his wife, Joanne, are expecting, so we're very excited for that. And Mm -hmm. excited to meet the little mini Yuki whenever they decide to show up. Um, We've got chat on this week because the episode that we just did previously, Andrea and I were talking about movies and TV and all things film and cinema. And
1: all things. Like, well,
0: some things. (laughs) Uneducated things. We
1: covered it all.
0: We talked about all of it in an hour and a (laughs) quarter. (laughs) We got it all done. Um, But we were... In the process of recording that episode, we were like, we should get our friend Chad on. So here he is. And we are very thrilled to have him on. Chad loves everything, movies and theater and film and cinema and all of it. So Chad, for a long time, has hosted an Oscars party uh, when he was up here in Calgary, um, which is now a little more complicated to do being down in San Diego, but it's fine. Andrea has taken up that mantle upon herself in the last little bit. So we're excited for that to happen. But we... Uh, Definitely wanted to have Chad on to talk about Oscars and movies and all of that. So, Chad, welcome to Unexpected Experts, buddy. Thanks for having me. Glad you can make it all the way from San Diego. Yeah. (laughs) Boy, are my arms tired. (laughs) Uh, So, at the beginning of every episode, we like to ask um, our guest, what is your superhero slash supervillain origin story? So. Maybe a bit of your background, a bit of your history, a bit of who you are, and all of that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, when it comes to movies,
2: I mean, I've been watching movies for as long as I can remember. Um, But when it comes to the Oscars and movies like that, um, I actually, I'm a big spreadsheet spreadsheet guy, and I've been keeping track of my favorite movies over the last uh, 13 years now. I started in 2009. Uh, and it's, uh, it started my, uh, eventual groom or, uh, best man, Dave Pierce.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, he would always be into the movies and I just kind of followed his lead and would go to Oscar parties or go watch the Oscars with him. Started getting into it. You know how it is when you, you know, you got a friend that you're becoming better friends with and you're like, well, he's into movies. I'll be into movies. So. Totally. Um, just started watching movies, and I usually get to see anywhere from about 50 to 100 new releases every year.
0: Wow. Um, Man,
2: not There's bad. been a couple of drier years this year. I'm at 70. I
0: was going to um, say, like that's probably been different now with COVID, hey?
2: It's actually been better with COVID because um, I think you guys were talking about it last week is... Uh, there's a lot more streaming availability because they couldn't go through theaters. Right. You know, there's still a right. lot of stuff being put out into theaters, but they're usually doing um, streaming releases at the same time.
1: Totally.
3: And so
2: Or I things think, just
1: went straight to like Netflix or whatever too, right yeah, yeah like there's
2: Plus. a lot There's a lot more uh, companies and studios like Netflix and uh, Amazon mm. and Disney that are mm. putting things directly out into the ether, Mm -hmm. as it were. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so this year's actually been really good for accessing a lot of that. And when it comes to the Oscars, um, I'm usually at about a 60% clip of the movies that are nominated. And this year I'm at 82% already. Wow. Uh, And as in
1: like those are the number of movies that you've watched that have
2: there are 53 different individual films nominated including the 15 shorts and i think i've seen in the high 30s of them
3: wow okay um and
2: like like eight or nine of those are shorts that i i'm gonna be able to go to the theater probably next week and see a majority of those as well this is the first year i've ever felt like i can actually get to all 53 so that's the goal this Mm -hmm. year
0: that's awesome. That's crazy. Well, what's, yeah. what's the timeline then till the actual Oscars happen? Like, how long so, do you have?
2: So, March 27th is the evening of the Oscars. Um, I have 14 days. And yeah, I think I have four, 13 or 14. I'm halfway through one right now. We started watching it yesterday and got a little tired. So, um, and then I wanted Which to prep line? for this and said, uh, it's called The Worst Person in the World. Oh, I not It anything. is uh it's up for um best international feature and best screenplay. I can't remember which one, but yeah. Uh it's it's critically acclaimed. Uh it's from Norway. Um it's okay. Yeah, an hour in. We're I'm enjoying it. It's really good.
0: Cool.
1: I feel like the international films are the ones that I that's like the least the ones that I get to the least that makes sense. The ones that I get to the least frequent.
2: <laughs> yeah. And that's actually true for me as well just cuz they're a little bit tougher to to root out, but this year there's yeah. a and part of the reason that I can get to as many this year is there's a lot of crossover. Um mm. movies like uh Drive My Car, which is a Japanese film. It's nominated four times, which is super you rare could. if not never happened kind of thing.
0: Um like for an international film specifically? Yeah, yeah. Parallel nominated Mothers nominated is times.
2: nominated twice. Um, uh, Worst the Person power, in the world The Power is- of
1: the Dog, too, has been nominated quite a few
2: times. So that, yeah, that's not an international, but I think that's 10. Oh, I don't I have see. those numbers in just, front of yeah, me. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But for the most part, the, the international feature, I'm just trying to pull it up here. I think, uh, yeah, I've seen three now out of five which is a lot more than normal
3: Hmm. that's cool
2: yeah i nice was gonna is, ask
0: you too like oh no you you, you, finish, you finish i was just gonna there.
2: say the nice thing is the majority of them are available um a couple mm-hmm. of them are on netflix and so you can you can find them out uh, oh nice you just kind of have to i have a link that i can share later but there's a link that shows
0: where 38 of the films you can see so
2: oh cool sweet
0: so we've we've got our homework Super i guess crazy. at the time we're recording this we're two weeks away from the oscars but then mm-hmm. by the time this episode airs it'll be the day before
1: yeah
0: so you will Sorry. have a leg up but your listeners yeah. will not yeah Truth. they'll be they'll be playing <laughs> mad catch up for those last few hours <laughs> those last two days two
1: picks in their eyes yeah <laughs> must finish watching <laughs>
0: well not just your eyes but you also have to read the subtitles as well (laughs) because watching all the international features so yeah for an international film yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um that kind of goes into my my first question too like so we're already talking about international films and like that category and um different awards that some of these films have been nominated for so maybe give us like a brief just a brief rundown of each category that a film can be nominated for maybe the criteria for each film and what, what it takes to be nominated for a film like that, maybe like 20 to 30 words or so about each category, sort of just a basic breakdown for anybody that doesn't really know how many categories and what they are. Uh, It's funny. I, we, I'm on
2: here as an expert, but I, I think there's 22 this year. They keep kind of changing things. Um, But uh, so best picture would be kind of an overall encapsulation um, of all the different technical, all the different acting, um, the writing, everything all together. Um, The interesting thing about the best picture is everybody votes on it. So all of the different areas, the acting and that, uh, not the entire the entire academy doesn't vote towards each individual. Um, award. Uh, but for best picture, it's anybody who wants to make a vote can, can add their votes. Um, so best picture, best director, I mean, it's self-explanatory and then you have your acting best actress, actor, supporting actress, supporting actor. Um, I think those are all pretty normal uh, Screenplay, So they split it into two. You've got the original and the adapted. So, um, and there's a, there, there are committees that actually decide whether something was officially from an, a source adaptation. So if there was an original source where they believed that that was um, adapted from for adapted. And then original is brand new story. Um, you've got your animated feature, which has to be animated. Um, interesting in this one is uh, there's a movie, let's see where it was from, out of Denmark called Flea. Uh, and it's about a refugee who essentially gets... Carted around the world, trying to flee um, violence in their home country. Okay, and it also includes probably I want to say total about five six minutes of um, pre shot footage that's not animated. Oh, so that was a little bit of a uh, an interesting situation yeah. when I saw that movie. Seeing you know it's in the animated feature because there's a lot of different rules. Um, like one of the other categories is um, original score. And there are rules as to how much pre-recorded or borrowed music you can take from um, a different area. So that's why you'll see something that maybe has like Guardians of the Galaxy that has more soundtrack style stuff. Right. Um, yeah. None of that's original. So they're disqualified from that.
0: Right. uh. Uh-huh.
2: Um, yeah. So it's, yes, it's just interesting like
0: This to... blue sky, which was definitely ELO. Yeah. Um, right. and so it was just very
2: interesting to see how maybe inconsistent those rules. And I don't, you know, I haven't really delved into the depths of, um, all of those rules for all the different categories. Um, mm-hmm. and then I, so those are all the, what I consider above the line nominations. Those are the ones that generally make the broadcast and are the big ones that people are Going for And then there's the lower or the, the below the line nominations, which are more of the technical categories. Right. So mm-hmm. you've got costume design, uh, makeup and hairstyling. You've got two musics, which are original score, which we just talked about, and then original song. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing about original song is it has to play within the runtime of it, but it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, included in the movie itself
1: okay
0: right so like an, a credit song yeah something. so like a, something,
2: like a diegetic something like song a or, yeah or yeah something in the start um i remember i think there was one from 2013 called crazy hearts which that's a the, you know, the song is part of the actual uh, narrative of the movie and then you had another one that was it was the first credit song but it played within the runtime. So it counted. And so there's a lot of wiggle room when it comes to that kind of stuff.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: Hmm. Um, You've got cinematography, which is um, cinematographers are not just the camera people or the, um, the, the people running the camera crew, but they're also the ones choosing the aesthetic color palettes. Um, There's a, I mean, one of those weird Facebook ads that like bombard you with trying to buy stuff there's one where they've essentially um turned a color pal- palette from a movie into a panoramic um oh
0: yeah i've photo. seen that yeah and it's yeah. kind of
2: cool because you can actually see you know something like dune this year has a lot of sand you know a lot of earth tones orange beige brown uh that kind of stuff whereas something like from a few years ago blade runner 2049 is going to have a lot of neons and blues, and it's going to be a darker palette, but it's going to right. have uh, swatches of neon reds, kind of uh, pop.
0: Or something in there. like the Dark Knight versus the Lego Movie, like two very, <laughs> very different spreads <laughs> of color. Yes, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> both great movies, actually. Both I'm,
0: fantastic movies. <laughs>
2: let's circle back on the Dark Knight later because I have a interesting uh, tidbit on the Dark Knights.
0: Ooh, let's do. Um, Sweet.
2: And what how that changed um Oscar history uh, back in two thousand and eight two
0: thousand nine yeah um, let's definitely talk about that
2: foreign language film oh sorry, uh best production design I uh, that besides cinematography, and so pro- production design is the overall aesthetic of the physical of the movie, okay, so something like um, nightmare alley's um uh, kind of a black or a film noir thriller movie from this year with bradley cooper uh, and it's set not in modern times and so how do you create uh, a right. carnival atmosphere in the early 1900s mm-hmm. so that's you know production right. designers are doing
0: that or something like grand budapest hotel yeah west anderson is a, like all about an aesthetic in a time period
2: yeah Wes anderson uh usually actually that's that's a really good point. This year, he came out with a movie called uh, The French Dispatch. And in every precursor, everything that was leading up to that, uh, to the Oscars, it was almost a shoe-in that Wes Anderson was going to get there with The French Dispatch. It's beautiful. It's you know, Narratively, it really takes some time to get to where it needs to go. But production design is absolutely off the charts. And that's one of the biggest snubs this year is the French French mm. dispatch for production design. I don't
1: even think I've ever heard of that movie.
2: <laughs> I
1: need um, more
2: time in the world. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I, <laughs> I will come out. I usually come out right the day before the Oscars with my top, uh, top movies. It'll have the whole
0: list. Um, well, when this episode drops, then be sure to look out for Chad's list. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put we'll put, box, we'll put my letterbox.
2: We'll put my letterbox to count in the, uh, in the links for the show. And then people can, Check them out to see where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, we'll Um, definitely do that. You've got the visual ones, like visual effects and film editing. So visual effects is pretty standard. You know, what kind of stuff are they doing to push boundaries? Something like 2008's Avatar, you know, essentially Mm. building a brand new camera. Right, yeah. To do that, that took all of that. Um, For this year, we probably won't touch on a lot of the technical stuff because Dune's just going to win everything.
0: Yeah, it's gonna sweep mm-hmm. for sure.
2: Just just write them down for everything. Uh,
0: yeah, film kind of like the- kind of like Gravity a few years ago. That one just yeah. cleaned house. It was crazy. Yeah, and
2: usually you, that's where you'll see a lot of the um, the more blockbuster um, things that um, you know people tend to um, divide between the blockbusters and the artsy movies or the art house films. And so you'll you'll tend to see in a lot of those um, visual effects and the technical categories things like Spider Man No Way Home. That's, um, they're in visual effects. Shang-Chi right. yeah. and, the, and The Legend of the Ten Rings, No Time to Die, Free Guy, which is a wildly underrated, fantastically <laughs> enjoyable is. film.
0: It's so good. I would watch it every day. It oh, is. Wow. So okay. That seems
1: extreme. It's I, so
0: good.
2: We put it on I enjoyed it. We put it on simp- we yeah, we put it on simply as a like, oh well it's it's nominated, we'll just throw it on, it's on Disney Plus, so let's give it a try. Yeah and it made it I've seen seventy films and it's in my top ten. Wow. <laughs> it's great.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess I haven't seen enough films for it to be anywhere different, but that was like, I mean, it definitely was one. Where I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a stupid movie," but like, okay, Ryan Reynolds, yeah. I'll see, I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah. And then I did, oh, yeah. and I, it was more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. But man, alive, the top ten. <laughs> well,
0: like, I, yeah, I probably shouldn't say like every day I would watch it, but you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but like, I, I almost have a personal rule, like I will watch anything with Ryan Reynolds because I love Ryan totally. Reynolds. Totally, Yeah. And um, that one is no exception.
2: Have you ever seen Buried? Buried, nope. B-U-R-I-E-D. It's a great movie. It's from, I don't have the the year in front of me. Um, it's him in a coffin for an hour yes. and 40 minutes. Oh, wow.
1: I have, I, no, I don't think I've watched it, but I've definitely, like, watched a trailer for it or something.
2: Yeah, it's a one location. Uh, there's no other uh, visual actors. There's no other person on screen for the entire movie. And no. if you and a lot of people will harp on Ryan Reynolds because you know he's he's the same character. Free Guy is Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Deadpool totally. is the person from the proposal. Like they're all kind of the same smarmy like sarcastic funny character or whatever. Kind of an Adam um, Sandler
0: type of thing. Like he's the same type of role in a lot of roles.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um but in Buried he still has a, some part of that but he's essentially buried alive in a in a coffin um and has a cell phone and he's trying to get his way out but he's also dealing with the decisions he may have made as a person leading up to gotcha. that point um, right. so that's an aside it's it was I not have, well received but it was one of my favorites
1: i have heard that this new the adam project was a very different role for him and like we've we're seeing a different side of i haven't watched it i just talked to matt about it today and he was like oh i watched it already and i'm like you're the worst
0: <laughs> and is that the one with mark ruffalo yeah
1: yeah and Gen- jennifer okay. garner
2: yeah oh cool mm-hmm. um yeah um film editing so that's the one i have beside visual effects film editing is an interesting one because when it comes to the oscars it's generally a a movie up until a few years ago had to be nominated for film editing because there's only like six or seven or eight over the entire history of the Oscars of, you know, 90 years that have won best picture without that nomination. You
0: know, they don't need to win
2: film editing, but they need to be nominated for it. And so this year, especially um, film editing, you've got the power of the dog, which is the, the runaway um, favorite for best picture. Uh, You have Don't Look Up, which is, I didn't hate it. I I tend to lean towards that side, but it was was a little bit of a mess. Um, Dune, King Richard, Tick, Tick, Boom. But Belfast, which is going into this year, Kenneth Branagh's Love Letter to Belfast was thought to be one that could rival the power of the dog.
3: Mm.
2: Um, But it's not nominated in film editing this year. So there's kind of a, well, could it win? Mm. Could it not win? So, be, be interesting. interesting
1: so that's on my list of ones to see before yeah. before two weeks before tomorrow if you're listening now <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's yeah it's yeah before tomorrow we're trying to distill down to like the three movies you should check out before the oscars um uh the final Ooh, like three that. that we didn't go through were the the uh the short films um so you have animated live action documentary the only real uh Thing that they have to do is stay under forty minute runtime. Okay, that's about okay. it. So, cool. Um, yeah, that's probably more than your listeners we have probably tuned out some years because I said about a million different films that <laughs> <laughs> worth seeing, but it's a lot of a lot of different stuff going through. So, but
0: it's okay. We're mm-hmm. getting a good spread of what's available on this year's yeah. dinner table of movies. Right? That's great. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: We uh, we we mentioned um, Dark Knight. Yeah. Yes. So oh yeah, before,
1: your little tidbit.
2: Before I forget, I'm going to circle back there. Um in 2008, um up until 2008, the entire history of the Oscars had only ever done um five best picture nominees. And then The Dark Knight didn't get nominated. And mm-hmm. it got there was an uproar because it was the perfect blend of art house feel with Christopher Nolan but mm-hmm. blockbuster um, mass appeal as Mm -hmm. well and it didn't get nominated and so the following year and for two years like the the following year and the year after for two years after 2008 they they upped the best picture nominations to 10. oh wow the prevailing theory is they wanted to reach more audience and the dark knight was a catalyst for them moving it to 10. Right. Um, and so they moved it to ten for two years, and there was backlash on the critical side, saying, "Right, no, this is this is meant to be." It was kind of gatekeeping before gatekeeping was a thing, but this sure. is this is this is meant to be an exclusive. We we are nominating the absolute best pictures. We don't necessarily need to force feed nominations into it. Um, and so right. after 2011, what they did is they went to a floating system where there could be anywhere from six to 10 in any given year.
0: Hmm. Okay.
2: And the way they do their voting is they would, uh, everyone would vote for their best picture. And then any movie that did not receive a first place or they, you know, they would vote for their 10 best pictures or they could put eight or whatever. Any movie that didn't receive a first place vote was immediately taken out of the running for it.
1: Right. Okay. Interesting. Interesting.
2: If it was second on every single person's list, but no one voted it number one, it didn't make it through. Right. right. And then okay. they'd continue going down the line until they got to a certain number. Um, they've since switched this year. They're back to 10. So maybe they'll make up their mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that, that's kind of nice that like on any given year, if there's just by some chance, like a swath of really incredible movies, that they could all potentially be nominated. So yeah, it's nice. It's kind of a floating gauge that way. And
2: and for me, like, when I started out doing this, I was doing it because I wanted to, I was a completionist. I wanted to watch every movie that was nominated. But I quickly learned that I actually enjoyed the process of the nominations more than the Oscars themselves. I, I enjoy, uh, especially when we were hosting the party, I yeah. enjoyed it, totally. the group communal aspect of it. But for me, it's not about the 10 movies that are best picture. You know, I did some numbers and it really, it's only, I've only ever had three, four or five in my top 10. I tend to not align with all of them. Um, But it's the process of discovering a wide variety of movies um, from a critical or critical perspective that I would never have been exposed to. Right. Um, And so that's, that's why I like that they're going back to the 10, you know, even if 8, 9, and 10 have no chance
0: of winning, it gets their name out there. Yeah.
2: Totally.
1: Totally, yeah. yeah.
0: Does it does it kind of water down the, the nomination aspect of it? If there's like 10 films nominated that year, does it sort of water down the significance of a nomination or does that not really factor in?
2: I mean, in my opinion, probably not, but there's a wide variety of critics who would, argue that it does because now you know you'll have a best picture winner but they don't publicize those votes so you don't know who's second you don't know who's third and where belfast might be number two on theirs um and you might see um something like licorice pizza or uh, a japanese film which i absolutely adore called drive my car um you might see those films at nine or ten but they're all on equal footing. So before, there was only four that were considered on equal footing. To me, I would prefer to have more eyes on more films. So I appreciate, I have no problem with the 10 nominations. Totally, yeah.
1: that you've had in either an Oscar nomination, the, nom- the nomination itself, or a nomination
2: that won? So here, I have that answer absolutely perfect. In 2016, I don't actually know the year. Let me bring out my spreadsheet here. But um, in 2016, there's a movie called Sing Street. Uh, it was um, directed by John Carney. He did uh, Once, which won the Oscar for Best Song, um, Falling Slowly. Uh, he did yeah. Begin Again. They are three fantastic movies. Uh, it's the most rewatchable movie I've ever seen for me. I've probably seen it 150 times in the last five years. Wow. Like, I, I will watch that. That's my go to sleep kind of thing. Like,
1: Sorry, and which movie is this?
2: Uh, it's called Sing Street. Sing Street. It okay. is, uh, it's in the 80s in Ireland, and it's um, a young kid who, because of budgetary reasons, has to go to an all-boys school and kind of gets start starts to get picked on and then he meets a girl across the street from the school who he just falls head over heels for and in their first conversation he says um i uh, would you like to be a, or finds out that she's a model and says would you like to be in our music video for my band well he's not in a band he just started talking and it kind of ended up somewhere. And so she says, yeah, maybe. All right, we'll see. And so he's like, yeah, we're going to film this. So he then goes back to his friend from school and says, we have to start a band. And so it (laughs) is about them being influenced by eighties music, uh, Duran, Duran Mm -hmm. uh, all these different eighties bands and how that influenced them musically and visually and in style And it's a little bit of a love story between the two, but it's also about him finding escapism from um, family issues at home and broken home situations. Uh, And he's got a really cool, uh, one of the supporting characters, Jack Rayner, plays his brother. He was in uh, 2019's Midsommar. Um, uh, He's the stepbrother who is kind of a burnout, but -hmm. still wants to be something. And it's one of my favorite supporting turns in the last 10 years. Um, But to answer your question, all that after all that, there is a song that they, they play called uh, drive it like you stole it. And it Mm -hmm. is a bop. Like it is such a fun song. It fits so perfectly into the movie. It fits the narrative, everything. And it was not nominated and I'm still mad about it.
1: <laughs> I can feel it. I can feel it's the so anger.
2: Good. It's so good. I'm really glad I got to talk about Sing Street. I did not plan that. So I'm really glad that that came up. Because nice. that is, if there's one movie you should see that's not nominated this year and don't watch these years, this year's nominations, go
0: back and watch Sing Street. Okay. Cool. I like uh, that. Yeah, yeah I'm Sing definitely going to do that. I'm going to write that yeah. down. For sure. Yeah. I guess kind of next to that, like, just you speaking so highly of that film, like what are the top two or three things that make a film great in your opinion?
2: So let me just pull something up here. So in my rankings, like when I, when I, uh, when I watch a movie, um, I, I, again, like I said, I have a spreadsheet that, you know, I just do a quick little um, writing down what the movie was uh, felt like to me. And so I actually rank it on story um, genre, acting, whether a movie is believable, which is tough mm-hmm. with documentaries sometimes because they always score high in those because yeah. it's real life for it's the most automatic. part. automatic. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe not Michael Moore's documentaries, but, um, uh, filmmaking. So that's like the technical aspect. And then I have a full line just for enjoyment because I think that matters cool. when you're watching a movie. Yeah. You can't just Absolutely. watch a movie, um, objectively from a technical aspect you know how does it make an impression on your person and so for me in my ranking um, story is always number one um, I when it comes to movies I watch them to be transported into a world I don't exist for the most part or um, mm. where I've never experienced that and generally writing and that's why I, I always love the the screenplay awards when it comes to the Oscar, um, because those those are the things that matter to me the most. Um, after that, it's act well before that would have been enjoyment, but um, mm-hmm. acting. I tend to like writing and acting when it comes to that more than a technical standpoint. Um, watching a a master of acting crafts
0: is. Uh, yeah what they do the job of bringing those words to life, so right totally. and it's maybe yeah. more about the emotional connection and portrayal than the specific camera angle
2: yeah yeah and mm-hmm. and I cinematography probably is one of the next ones like i love I love watching um, a beautiful setup of how a movie's supposed to look and how that look kind of adds to the writing but i think it all right. starts from that writing because when you make a movie you don't just bring together your cinematographer and your actors and all these things the first yeah. person who yeah. does anything is they write it mm-hmm. um, and then it's it's a matter of beyond that how do the other um, areas of filmmaking bring those words to life
0: right right yeah, like the first component that anybody has or the first little bit of somebody's vision about what a film could be is the script. And there's no yeah. cameras involved, there's no lighting involved, there's no casting involved yet, nothing. Like all you have is this story. And so that mm-hmm. definitely kind of has to, you know, uphold itself and and hold itself up to then be produced into something. Yeah.
1: So what what movie over the years or movies, if there's not just one? Have scored the highest.
2: Um, would you like me to go back through the years? Um, I'm trying to see here.
1: I mean, just share like maybe the last like two or three years.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, like um, films that really, really stood out for you.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. it's actually the only number one movie that I've ever had that won the Best Picture, and mm-hmm. it was actually a surprise. And I, I we're we in Chestmere, I think, doing the Oscar party, and when it won. I kind of lost it because I didn't expect it was spotlight
3: Mm. when it
2: comes to writing for a film, that is a banger. Like that is, it's a procedural uh, thriller, you know, not, not like a thriller in the normal sense, but um, it's essentially a movie. That's um, this not a secret group. That's working for the Boston globe is trying to expose what we would later find out had been happening in the Catholic church uh, with yeah. sexual molestation and that. Um, and the way it's done is just incredible. And and that's another one that I would even say the acting brought mm. those words to life. Like the actual story mm. is just the entire thing grips me. Some people would mm. say it's slow, but it absolutely
0: grips me, grips me the entire time. Hmm. But does it just that's build cool. tension in that way? Like that? some people would think it's slow or.
2: Yeah. With, with the story, it doesn't build tension because I think tension would feel false in that specific context with the, okay. you know, trying to unearth some pretty heinous crimes in that. Sure. Um, yeah. There's obviously some tension on, you know, whether it's going to be um, exposed or not. Now, it came out in 2015. We learned about it years before. So we mm-hmm. kind of knew where it was going with that. And yet I could still, knowing where it was leading. Felt like it wasn't going to get there because of how it was written. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's fascinating. So
1: a bit of a drawn-on story, then.
2: Yeah, it just where they're fighting a system in Boston that is the whole system is protecting that situation because mm-hmm. of what that what the Catholic Church meant to that city. And right. so even though right. we kind of know how it ends in real life, they could still create a world where maybe there wasn't as much catharsis once we got to that finishing
3: situation.
2: Right. I'm trying to, mm-hmm. as much as possible, avoid giving too much away of any film.
1: Totally. Yeah. Just in case someone hasn't seen it. Yeah.
2: Cause that's another yeah. one. If you want to go watch past best picture nominees and you've got a, a couple hours, um, to focus in on a movie, uh, Spotlight's a great one to to start with.
0: Any other ones from the past few years that really have stood out to you?
2: Yeah, when it comes to writing, um, there's a movie that came out in, uh, that was 2015. So it would have been the 2016 Oscars, Hell or High Water, uh, which mm-hmm. is a, a Western set in modern times. Um, yeah, essentially just two guys um, trying to make ends meet. In the world, the writing is great. I won't go into it too much. Um, But this year, um, I'm just going to give away to your listeners and people will find out on Facebook on uh, March 26th
0: that my number one (laughs) movie of the
2: year is a foreign film um, called, uh, I I mentioned it earlier, named uh, Drive My Car. Yeah. It's from uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Uh, It's Japanese. It is three hours long. It's not one of them that they're going to be able to get to the day of the Oscars. No. Not bad. I cannot remember a movie that was as fully fleshed out.
3: Hmm. Every
2: character matters. Every character's backstory matters. The writing is Mm -hmm. unbelievable. It's, there's, uh, just for your listeners, there's some explicit nudity, and there's definitely some um, sexual... Uh, narrative arcs throughout the movie um it's in japanese uh, don't watch it dubbed watch it with the subtitles um it, yeah. it wouldn't be worth it dubbed um but the story is sir or the the characters serve the story the story serves the characters the acting's incredible um mm. i watched it i remember it in-
1: seeing your i remember seeing your letterbox come out yeah
2: about i that one. i watched it that one i watched in three spurts because three Mm -hmm. hours just I I couldn't um but it was it is absolutely worth it if you want to see kind of how an art house film um goes about some of the technical categories we talked
0: about earlier Uh, it's fantastic so
1: I've got lots of homework to do now
0: (laughs) yeah right I mean we've we've got two weeks but I know anyone listening (laughs) they're not going to have near that much time (laughs)
2: but but here's the thing there's no there's no necessary reason i mean when it comes to drive my car i'll let them know that it's going to win the international film and that's likely all it's going to win so there's no reason that they would have to catch up with it beforehand. i mean i'm not really spoiling anything with based on the betting odds for those ones it's not even worth putting a bet down that's how much it's going to win and
1: it's totally and it's not like Um, it's not like when you, if you are someone who watches the Oscars, you're getting spoilers of these movies during, I mean, sometimes they show maybe the trailer or bits of a scene or something like that, but it's not like you're not getting huge spoilers of anything to deny you watching it or make you feel like it's not worth watching it after the Oscars
2: award ceremony. Well, and it's perfect, you know, this coming out either right before, right, right around when the Oscars are coming out. And, um, the Oscars. The Oscars. <laughs> cut that one out. That's, that's worth staying in there, <laughs> um, but it's a great thing to kind of points, you know, we're going to talk, we we've talked about a number of movies that, that are up for it. And I can, I can mention a couple other movies, but to point yourself to a few of the movies that this year, you know, you might watch the Oscars and see, Oh, I, I don't know. of these movies, but if I can touch on eight or 10 of them that are worth your time, then now you've watched it and you go, okay, well, I'm, I can be familiar with this. That puts it through like a little bit of a blender to say, okay, well, I'm going to use those films to now go see which ones I need to kind of check out. So a little bit of context.
1: I feel like when I first started coming to your Oscars parties, I was definitely much more involved in like the red carpet like seeing what celebrities were wearing what, or what, you know, just the banter on the red carpet. All the, all the
0: red carpet bingo cards that you would do every year. Those were always Absolutely. fun. Absolutely, Yeah. Games. So those much were the fun. only
1: games that I could win. <laughs> but then it like, it, it definitely, I'm actually, I specifically remember, and I think I only just gave it away or something. Maybe I donated it. I can't remember, but I specifically remember winning the like biggest loser prize because I sucked so much at my Oscars predictions.
2: Yeah. That was, at, was like, that was at our friend uh, Michaela's uh, parents' house. I think that you won the law lo- or you lost the one.
1: Oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 I think so. I remember that
2: year. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yes. But anyways. um, Yeah. But now I feel like I, I mean, I'm not, I can't say that I'm as critical or, critically involved when I watch a movie and I think J-Mo and I talked about this last week or um, in our TVs and Movies podcast uh, just to say that I am definitely much more of a watch the movie for the enjoyment purpose like I'm not very good at just like deconstructing a movie to figure out if this was a really well-written I mean like if it just naturally was a well-written movie then I might comment on it, but it's not like my go-to. But I feel like now more than before, I am looking a little bit more at the technical side of things, not nearly anywhere in your realm of um movie critiquing. But just like I guess what I'm trying to say is I appreciate more than just the red carpet moments now.
2: <laughs> well and I think I think that's the key to it is um there's a there's a big divide on you know art house versus blockbuster and while i might personally when i watch a movie and i wouldn't even say that i like critique them as i'm watching them a lot of times i'll watch a movie it's more of a feeling for me how did it how did the look of that movie feel to me how did how did the writing did i feel like the characters were making sense in what they were doing um but I started the same way back in 2008, mm-hmm. 2009, when I started, I wasn't, I enjoyed movies, but I didn't mm-hmm. pay attention to that. And then I, I, have over the next 10 years, I consume a lot of, you know, a lot of my social media um, is actually film people. I have film critics okay. that I'm friends with on Facebook. Now I've never met them. Uh, I'm going to wow. try and maybe get tickets. Uh, one of the guys lives in New York. Uh, but I've always wanted to hang out with him because like, I really enjoy how he critiques movies and totally. how, and we tend to have a lot of um, uh, movies that overlap in our top tens at the end of the year. Right. And so I started out, it's, it's a spectrum, you know, you start out at one point and depending on how much time and effort you put into watching those movies. But that's, I, I think there's a lot of people who look down on critics because they, mm-hmm. they think that they are trying to dampen their ability to watch a movie just for enjoyment's sake. Right. right. And yeah. I just disagree with that fundamentally because we're all on a spectrum and a critic, you know, I've listened to a lot of film podcasts, they, they're not trying to dampen it, they're actually trying to enhance your ability to understand the process that a film had to go through to be made.
1: Right, right
2: and and the word the word critic is just a it's a tough word because it's an instantly negative word so they may not be critiquing they may may be like upholding and praising a movie and yet they're a critic so they're immediately uh, pointed at as someone who is trying to dampen the enjoyment of a movie
0: yeah like a naysayer about the whole film yeah like it, as soon as you said the word critic too, I was thinking about when you and I and Nathan and I think maybe there was one other person we went and saw Chef with yeah. uh, with John Favreau. Such a great movie, but the way that the food critic is portrayed in that movie is like kind of the vision that I have in my mind of what a critic is. Yeah. But then at the end of the movie, he ends up becoming friends with the critic anyway. So right? <laughs> hashtag spoiler. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> like ratatouille. Anton Ego, right? He's a, yeah, a yeah.
2: food critic, and like totally. it's, it, it immediately conjures up this visual of someone who is an antagonist, is yeah, is sure. an enemy, is a yeah. villain, you know, and not in a I'm here to thing. point
1: out all of the negative, bad things that were done yeah. in something. Yeah. yeah. Instead,
2: yeah. they're really just there to say, "I I consume," and and for me, I'm not a critic. I have written reviews. If you go to my letterbox, you'll find reviews, and I tend to try and write a little bit more for common people when it comes to critiquing those things. Yeah. Um, but I, a lot of the people I follow, their whole goal is to, they're saying, I know you can't as a layperson or as someone who is just, you know, can't get out to the theater a ton. I, I don't expect everybody to watch 70, 75, 80 movies a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and the critics would say, my goal is to try and distill those movies so that you can understand, you know, what is worth watching. And totally. inherently that's going to be tough with any person because we're all subjective beings. Totally. totally. It kind taste of reminds so me. So
0: to- subjective for films. So yeah. Totally. yeah.
1: It reminds me too. Like I, I, um, I'm on Goodreads so like anytime I read a novel then I'll go and log it on my Goodreads but when I'm looking for new books to read I will I will click on and read reviews that past readers have done so I wonder if maybe it's more fair instead of calling someone a film critic to call them a film reviewer
2: yeah and And then it's less I wish they would just call them that but it's just not a Yeah, they're always going to have that negative uh, connotation whenever anybody tries to read anything they do.
1: Yeah. Because you're right. Like, I think like comparing the whole books to movies, like I will go and read those reviews. And if the review is, you know, in like, if it's talking about the book and kind of keeps me interested beyond just like the cover of the book or whatever, then I would actually consider reading it rather than, you know, going to the library, taking the book out from the library and hoping that it's good or reading the first hundred pages and being like, Bleh, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to read this.
2: Because time, so it is. time matters to yeah, people.
1: Totally.
2: Yeah.
1: Totally. Absolutely. So I think it's super valuable to have a place, which I guess perhaps good reads is to books as letterboxes to films. Um, to be able to just like sort of weed through like, oh, if you really had a goal of watching x amount of oscar nominations before the oscars and you've run out of time you could go on to letterboxd you could read a few reviews about the movies and then pick like if you have maybe time for two movies then you can pick those two movies to watch before the oscars
2: and and that's one of the goals of you know with my year-end list that i try and put out every year it's it's not to say that these are going to be the top 25 or 50 movies for everybody, but it's no. trying to give everybody a sense of what those top 50 movies are out. So, cause I love film. I think film, uh, I think you were speaking last week that you are a reader and your sister's a, a TV watcher and JMO mm-hmm. is more of a music. Like there's, there's an art that we tend to gravitate towards. And for me, it's totally. films, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. cause <laughs> films get to do everything. So you get the visual, the writing in a book and you get Mm. the music. So it's kind of all of that. Um, And (laughs) so my goal is simply to just say, Hey, I've watched all this stuff. I'm going to tell you what it's about. So if it's worth watching, uh, even if the stuff at the bottom, you like it, I'll never. nay say anybody, unless, unless they say space jam legacy is their favorite movie of the year. Then we're going to have some (laughs) words because I've been, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, I'm mean, saying don't be negative, but um, I've done 13 years of reviews. I probably have about 900,000 movies that I have scores for. Uh, Space Jam
0: Legacy is the worst score I've ever had.
1: <laughs> ever, amazing. Chad's amazing. Rotten
0: Tomatoes score for Space Jam Legacy. Yeah, it's not <laughs> bottom it's, of the barrel. <laughs> it's below 0. .5 out of five, which is
2: not a good thing. Um, but You really
1: just have to watch that movie specifically for either the people who are in it or just, like, pure, like, entertainment, if that.
2: Yeah. And so, but then I love the original Space Jam. So I also understand that while I absolutely totally. loathe that movie, I'm not a nine-year-old boy who was looking up to Michael Jordan as a sports figure and wondering why he retired. And all of a sudden I was coming out of Looney Tunes and now I'm watching sports and it was this perfect mix. <laughs> so with Space Jam yeah. legacy, it's about technology and, and LeBron. And it's like, there's probably a nine or 10 year old kid who, totally. who absolutely just adores that movie. Their pants. Yeah, and, like, and, and they
0: think it's the greatest movie of all time.
2: And I'd love to have a chat with that person just to say, hey, you're going to, you're going to grow up those tastes are going to change you know I didn't like brussels sprouts when I was a kid I like brussels sprouts now things are going to change Yeah, (laughs) you're probably not going to love but the nostalgia factor is going to be there and so even then a movie that I absolutely just think is the worst who am I to you know judge anybody who enjoys that movie totally
1: and I think yeah people have to remember obviously that this is your opinion right Mm -hmm. like Someone out there may obviously like, may coincidentally love Space Jam legacy. Like and we're not crushing on your hopes and dreams of that movie being the best thing to sliced bread for
0: yeah. you, but- It's just not getting just, nominated for any Oscars. Yeah. And <laughs> that's fine. No. Um,
2: and if someone wants to chat with me about it, they can find me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. We can talk movies. If Space Jam was a fantastic movie. If you had a kid who absolutely loved to watch it, I'll point them to some cool, other movies like The Mitchells versus The Machines, which is up for animated feature, which mm-hmm. can be geared towards that same technology, that same age brackets, um, mm-hmm. and do it in such a stronger manner when it comes to uh, technically. Yeah. Right. I just thought I'd throw in another movie in there.
0: There we go. Is there a film, like, one film that you really, really love that most other people just don't seem to care for? And then one movie that you really hate that you can't understand why other people love so much? <laughs> um,
2: I don't have anything on, like, I'd have to kind of go through all... I'm just kind of going through my my spreadsheet and to it, see. It,
0: it doesn't have to necessarily be from, like, this past year either. Yeah, yeah. Like can I'm be, just looking
2: back, to see, I'm looking back to my, like a few years ago um just to see um the one that showed up was in 2018 when the Lion King came out no 2019 2019 yeah 2019 oh, when the live action film came out yeah uh i saw 72 films that year it was number 70 Aww. wow i very much did not <laughs> like that and maybe maybe that's colored or tainted by nostalgia of of sure yeah um, sure being so ingrained with the voices that existed. And while I very much enjoy uh, Seth Rogen, <laughs> hey, maybe, is he the best Pumbaa in the world? Maybe not.
1: <laughs> it was quite interesting though, how very parallel, like like most scenes were very similar to the original.
2: Yeah. and I, Which that, then
1: made it kind of feel like, well, what was the point? But then if they changed it, drastically then i feel like all of us who grew up with the original would yeah. have been even more yeah.
0: then, you, then you'd have an cry in the opposite yeah. direction
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah.
2: then i get it and, and that's where kind of going back to it, like i will um feverishly say what my opinions are but
3: totally
2: never gonna have an issue if that lion king because i know that the technical work of that um like i gave it a seven and a half out of ten on technical, which mm-hmm. like it's it's pretty good. Like it's it's not a mm-hmm. poorly done. uh The enjoyment was just super down on that.
1: I, out of curiosity, in terms of the Disney movies that have been redone as live actions, what is Beauty and the Beast a more in- okay yeah.
2: <laughs> Beauty and the yes. Beast? Hey. It hands, is <laughs> hands. It's not even close. That was yeah. in my top three <laughs> that year. Uh, Though
1: I have to say that I was disappointed in how auto-tuned Emma Watson's voice was.
2: Yeah, she's just not a singer. Um, and that's fine. <laughs> but I loved the new songs they did in that. Um, yes, the aesthetic yes, was yes, great. Yes. Uh, Josh Gad as Lefou is.
1: Oh my gosh, so
2: good! I mean, I'll watch a lot of what Josh Gad's doing. Josh Gad is terrific. Actually, going to New York in a month. I'm going to see if Josh Gad's in anything, and just try and get
0: tickets to that. So <laughs> nice, nice. Oh nice. heck yeah, do it um
2: so i'm just taking a look you uh oh well there's a movie that came out in 2017 that i don't know that people disliked it but i loved it more than any other movie that came out that year it's actually one of the higher scores out of anything it almost got a perfect score for me that year uh it's called Drumroll uh brigsby bear <laughs> It is a okay. movie, it's got Kyle Mooney from Saturday Night Live.
3: Okay.
2: Um, I haven't seen it in about three and a half years, so I'm going to probably misremember some stuff. But he is, at the start of the movie, he's in a bunker um, with his parents, and I don't really want to give too much of a way of it away, but essentially, he was led to believe that his situation was not reality, and he has to re uh, uh try and get back into reality once his world crumbles around him and it's about his oh, adjustment into reality and it's worth watching it's called brigsby bear um, it's great, so that's probably one of those that's movies cool. that I think critically it did well um and that's why i I was exposed to it, and so I got to know about it I watched it and but it's not one that has any lasting effect for anybody mm. over mm. over the years, kind of thing. If I said it, there'd be very, very few people, even at the time, who would have known what I was talking about. About let, let alone four years later.
1: I'm trying to remember the other two movies now that you were talking about. S- started with an S.
0: Spotlight the Sing. Spot- Spotlight. Spotlight. Oh, the, and then the other that one. other Sing one.
2: Sing Street. Sing Street. Spotlight, Sing Street, Brigsby Bear, all worthy movies from the last 10 years.
0: Cool. Um is there is there a category like out of all the categories at the Oscars that um is sort of a wild card for you or or one that sort of takes you by surprise every year with what's nominated or what wins or anything like that? Um not really. I uh, because I'm so like for the
2: eight months leading up to it like one of the um i'll I'll give a shout out to one of my the one of the reviewers i was talking to or talking about earlier his name is joey Magitson. he works uh, he has a website called awardsradar.com i tend to follow him on a lot of social media and he posts his predictions like the day after the oscars he'll post next year's predictions and so nice. I start to build oh, my wow. list of movies that maybe I'm looking out for. Some of them get pushed out a year. Um, but he's, and he's doing it as more in jest. He's not seriously thinking he's going to get it correct. Yeah. This isn't um, like
0: a definitive list. No,
2: but what it is yeah. is it's pointing your eyes towards that. And so I start paying attention, you know, come end of summer into the fall. Cause generally September through December is when a lot of those movies start to, um, get released so i'll i usually take about a month off of new movies after the oscars i don't start watching movies until may um i'll just go back to the old favorites and just a nice cool down period Um, but i'll start watching yeah and so most people's top 10s they would go january to january it's just not practical for people who don't have screeners to see those so i actually go january to oscars and then theoretically January to Oscars. Like I've already seen uh, a, a movie this year because uh, it was on prime. Um, but he's always putting that content out there. And so I'm always just kind of like, I'll pop it open for five minutes and be like, Oh, there's, Oh, that sounds like a good movie. Okay, cool. I'll put it on my list. And then once I find out a streaming date or a release date, I'll put that on my list. So then I can keep track throughout the the, the months. um, what movies are out can i see pretty easily by just putting it on at home you know maybe the theater out like where i'm at in vista it's got a little art house theater maybe i can pop over there and see one of those films it's not going to be at the big uh, multiplexes so right Mm. Um, so when it comes to categories i'm not usually there's not a whole lot that's surprising me at that at the oscars because i've just consumed enough content and through the year. And for, for me, actually this year, I was going <laughs> to mention, I actually bet on the Oscars this year for the first time in my life. Oh, wow. And it's because I realized okay. that, um, like I do sports betting on the side, but I realized my, the website I use, they, they're usually way behind on adjusting their odds. So I can watch say something like, um, the SAG awards, which happens. To, uh, two weeks ago I think
3: mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
2: and Jessica Chastain won the SAG award and it was actually a surprise because Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos was thought to be the favorite and there's a lot okay. of overlap from the SAG awards to the Oscar um, voting group and so okay. I looked on the website and I saw that Jessica Chastain who won it for the Tam- or eyes of Tammy Faye was still a big underdog so I could put twenty dollars down and win a hundred bucks. Whereas now, if you made that bet today, you win. You bet twenty dollars and you win thirty dollars. Like it's just a lot okay. less likely for for you to win that. And so I realized, oh, I can take this information that I'm consuming out of enjoyment yeah. for myself, and maybe actually turn it into making a little bit of money. So I have three bets. <laughs> I yeah, bet what the heck, right? I bet Jessica Chastain to win Best uh, Actress. Uh, Troy Kotzer. Who is now just like cleaning up for Coda? That's another movie. If you... uh, so, yes. for for this year, Coda is one that's worth checking out before the Oscars if you can. Um, it's about a girl who uh, has a family who they're all uh, deaf, hard of hearing, um, and they're fisher. Uh, they're, the dad and the son are both uh, fishermen on the east coast of the states, and she through school is starting to learn that she has a pretty good singing voice and her entire family can't hear her. And so they need her to live, but she is graduating and wants to branch out. And it's a very, it's a very feel good kind of, it's not necessarily something that Oscars would um, go for. Um, but it, it picked up a lot of steam. And Troy Kotzer is actually the first person, to, first hard of hearing person, I, I, can't, I can't remember to win a BAFTA. Because I know Marley Matlin, who's also in the film, she won an Oscar back in the 90s. Um, but so she's the mom. Troy Kotzer has now won the SAG Award, the Screen Actors Guilt Award, which is all mm-hmm. just acting. And then he mm-hmm. just, today, just won the BAFTA, which is the British uh, Art and Film Film and Television Association. So, mm-hmm. um, wow. yeah, so it's really cool. And so I bet I have money on him to win the Oscar. And then I have money on, uh, just yesterday, the Mitchells versus the Machines won the nice. animated, the Annies, they call them. Um, it won the Annies, and... Uh, Encanto is the huge heavy favorite, so I put a little bit of money on that. So as long as one of them wins, I'm in the yeah. I'm in the green. If all <laughs> three I'm very hard. much in the green. So Yeah. <laughs> um Encanto but yeah, is so cute. It's very cute. And like good music. Uh I would actually mm-hmm. I I'd, I'd have to look at my list. Um, but I think Encanto is probably my fourth favorite out of the animated features.
1: I was kind of surprised at the song that they chose for Best Original Song.
2: Yeah, it's got more heft. It's got more it's um, true. depth yeah. than We Don't Talk About Bruno, which...
1: I wasn't even thinking of oh, We really? Don't Talk About Bruno. I was thinking of, um, what's Louisa's song? Isn't it just called Louisa's song?
2: And Oh, I yeah, I can't think of it, but...
1: Anyways, I was thinking of her song, just like with all the feminist sort of things going on in the world today. I don't know. I just yeah. thought that maybe that one would have...
2: It's actually kind of interesting with that category is normally when it comes to Disney and Pixar, you'll see two, sometimes three films like Frozen. You'll see multiple songs from yeah. those clearly want to get eyes on it. And um, they did a lot of really well-known music um, yeah. for this year. It's five different movies.
3: Totally. yeah, That's um,
2: great. Wow. Uh, yeah. The Encanto one isn't the favorite um no time to die billy eilish is the favorite
1: i can see yeah that one was that really good favorite for
2: sure um yeah. going back to your question where you're saying um are you surprised by nominations in any specific category this would probably yeah. be the one that i get to see the least because it's always kind of a little other than those like two or three from those major films it's a little bit of out, of, out of left field so like this year i don't even remember the song from king richard that's nominated um Encanto <laughs> there's one from Belfast from Van Morrison uh No Time to Die and then there's a movie that if I'm ever not going to get through all the movies it's probably going to be this one it's called Four oh, Good yeah. Days and it's about it's Mila Kunis I haven't actually watched it but I've been reading a little bit Mila Kunis is a drug addict who goes home for 4 days and has four good days with her family kind of thing but that's oh, okay. like this is the one weird category where you're like yeah that movie was nowhere on anybody's radar, but here it is on song.
0: Yeah, just like got a
2: nomination somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It gets to put That's it on cool. the on the poster that it's Oscar nominated.
1: So with the upcoming Oscars tomorrow, <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> with the <laughs> magic and weirdness of podcasting and everything. <laughs>
1: Um, Do you want to share maybe some of the ones that you are predicting that will win or some of the films or, you know, any category that you feel like something was truly snubbed um, in a specific category or, yeah. Yeah. What do you? What is? What
0: is gonna happen? Yeah, anything that we can expect.
2: So the yeah. first thing that's gonna happen is um, you're gonna have hosts for the first time in I think three or four years. I think Kimmel was the last host that they had, which I enjoyed Kimmel. Maybe the rest of the mm-hmm. world didn't. But <laughs> um, so I did. Yeah. Um, the hosts are Wanda Sykes, Amy
3: um, Schumer,
2: Amy Schumer, and I, uh, Regina Hall. So. They're going with comedians. So we're going right. to see how it okay. goes. They're all three females, cool. which is great. Um, it's, I think it's been a little bit of a while since, uh, since we've had a female host. Um, but it's going to be an interesting Oscars because normally they would just power through every single category. Um, this year they are cutting eight categories from the live broadcast. Um, Now, I'm not 100% sure how it's working. I haven't really looked into it too much. I know that there's a huge blowback. Um, Spielberg. Uh, Eight
1: categories that were cut? Oh, yes.
2: Everybody. Because like, so the categories that were cut were film editing, which is like a pretty big one, considering uh, original score, which Hans Zimmer is likely going to win for Dune. uh, Production design, makeup and hair. Uh, the sound category, which was already combined two years ago. It used to be sound editing and sound mixing. And now it's just sound on its own. And now they're going to cut that from the live broadcast as wow. well.
1: Oh my gosh. My, okay. My... I was misunderstanding you when you said this that yeah. eight categories. Because were... I'm like, no, I see all of these categories mm-hmm. as categories that are. Be-, but you're just saying, like, on the actual show,
2: yeah, there, no we're speeches not going for to get to see.
1: Those. Wow. Wow. Are we going to, like, are they going to be announced?
2: So um, the other three were all the shorts and that's the frustrating one to me is because these people will never likely never be at the Oscars again. They're doing a short film and one of my top five movies or top six movies this year is a short film. Um, Mm. It's got Riz Ahmed in it. It's called The Long Goodbye. Um, But these are three people that, you know, whoever, whoever ends up winning for them, this is their moment to be, in front of everyone doing that now they're still awarding those prizes they're doing Mm. it before the live telecast so i don't know how they're doing it obviously people will be in on the red carpet and they are still i think telecasting it but it's not part of the three-hour thing so which is silly to me if you're gonna just put it on tv anyways those are the most impactful things um, yeah. My guess yeah. is we're going to get a lot of people talking and especially, you know, things like the short films tend to have a lot of uh, sometimes more foreign directors, foreign mm-hmm. casts and with what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. I, I think that's going to be a strong sentiment um, among a lot of the, sure. uh, the speeches yeah. this year, but those are ones, you know, hopefully maybe flea wins somehow upsets drive my car, flea wins international feature. It's about refugee refugeeism and like the idea of having to try and find yourself in a new country with nothing and leaving right. everything behind. And wouldn't that be a great
0: thing to be totally. showing?
2: Yeah. Super powerful. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like if uh, if that's not being broadcast globally, like you know, that's a missed opportunity.
2: Yeah, and not that I say that it should win just because it has this a very contextual um, narrative story in yeah, this moment right. because of the world. But it's mm. like, those are some of my favorite speeches because, you know, if Meryl Streep wins another Oscar, it's like, good for her. Terrific. You don't need to yeah. hear her speech again. She'll say something, and it's cool, and she's an absolute legend. But... <laughs> When people win an Oscar that it's like, that is the absolute pinnacle they'll ever get to. And those are the speeches that I care about. And so there's a lot of blowback from everyone across that are trying to force them, force their hand, like Spielberg trying to say like, maybe I just won't show up your Oscars. Maybe I'll boycott your Oscars in this kind of like, there's a lot of that going across saying I'm going to boycott this because oh i can't remember who i was watching an interview with but they essentially said when you watch a movie that movie is not just the actors the director Mm -hmm. and the cinematographer it is everything across and so i hope they do change i think it's probably a little too late they're probably building their set and how they're doing everything but uh, i just think it's a an incredibly missed opportunity to lose those categories Mm -hmm. in that live simply because they think more people want to watch the Oscars if they're three hours instead of four hours.
1: Well, or that, or they want to give more airtime and more audience, like more audiences would enjoy the like, you know, we have three comedians coming on. So
0: the the
1: entertainment that comes from that as opposed to the speeches but that's just too bad
2: yeah it just feels like pandering to me
1: totally or i mean maybe we get more live performances of some of the songs yeah who knows yeah
2: from three movies that no one's seen (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but yeah so that's that's a huge thing so i think it's not going to be all three of the comedians together i think they're breaking it into three arcs three story arcs and so essentially Amy Schumer might start it and then Wanda Sykes will yeah. come in and maybe at the very ends after Regina Hall's, they will all be on there. But it's, it's un, from what I'm reading and what I've been uh, seeing, it doesn't seem like they're going to be um, interacting with each other. Um sure. Just kind of sharing, sharing the, the load as it were.
3: Yeah. Right.
2: Um, as for the, you know, the, the movies that are expected to win the power of the dog is um it's it's not like crazy favorite, but it's kind of just won everything up to mm-hmm. this point. Um I didn't love it. It's wickedly slow. Mm-hmm. Um there's a little bit of backlash right now. Sam Elliott came out and used some profanity in explaining what its story uh story was oh, about. I think I saw something about that. Yeah, because Sam Elliott's in eighteen eighty three and so he didn't necessarily like how it portrayed um, this stylized romantic life of a cowboy in the 1800s where he's in okay. 1883, which yeah. is like a brute, wickedly brutal Western. And so there's some blowback on it. So there's, I mean, there's talk, it's all just fluff at this point. Cause no one other than all the voters really have an idea. Belfast is next and Coda. Those are the next two possible winners. So you may see Belfast win that. Um will Smith is poised to win his first ever uh for King richard no kidding uh yeah that's his wow. first ever I think wow. so I think he was up for pursuit of happiness um now your listeners may. Go search it and go. Oh no, he has one before. How'd you bring this expert on? I'm like, eh. I don't remember <laughs> everything about the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no.
1: It's actually interesting. Will Smith, uh, Matt and I were watching. Uh, I think it was some sort of National Geographic, and he was the he was the celebrity host or whatever. I don't know. I don't watch enough of the show to know if that's how they do it normally. But anyways, he was the person on, and he was it was all about sound um, and how. Um there was it was him and a um visually impaired person um who were going to a volcano to hear basically the blasts from a volcano and how they reverberate off of the walls anyways, all of this to say, he talked about himself first as a rapper he didn't identify as a an actor, which I found quite interesting, yeah, but I mean, I guess his original start to fame was through rapping, but I just i don't know I just it was quite interesting that he, yeah.
2: So, uh, in the time that you had that perfect like segue story there, um, <laughs> he has been nominated for the for uh, best actor now three times. Ali okay. in two thousand two, uh, he didn't win. Uh, Pursuit of Happiness two thousand seven, didn't win. So okay. twenty years after his first nomination, wow. uh, he's the overwhelming favorite for best actor. Wow.
1: And he didn't get nominated. Nah, I guess that makes sense. He didn't get nominated for um, his role as Genie in Aladdin. I thought he did uh, so no. good.
2: No. <laughs> uh, but he did well, so I was, good. I mean, well, I he was wasn't a pretty Williams, topic on the, the internet, too. I think that's also one thing that, as well as he might have done, I don't share that. But uh, he was also stepping into Robin Williams' shoes.
1: Well, totally. And yeah. I, that's yeah. what I mean, right? Yeah. Those are, he, some, it's, those are a big shoes to fill. fill yeah he did I can not i I can't I don't mean, I don't know who would do I don't know anyways, that's another conversation yeah, yeah. But.
2: um actress is between Jessica Chastain and Nicole Kidman, and it's kind of a dead heat, like I said, I'd prefer if Jessica Chastain won just for my own personal <laughs>
0: personal sure did uh,
1: you find because jmo and I were talking about this last week, did you find because comparing some of the nominations from this year to past years, I was like kind of, I don't know, I personally don't care for Penelope Cruz, so maybe that's part of it. But, like, it just seemed like a, the list of nominees were just so vastly different from some of the nominations that have been made in the past.
2: Uh, yeah, it's actually Best Actress is really a lot less surprising than it has been in past years. It's It's always okay. the one I see the least because – they tend to nominate um, powerful women in stories that don't necessarily get a wider audience. And so this year it's the okay. same, but like okay. going through it um, Nicole Kidman's one before she's been nominated a bunch sure. uh, Penelope Cruz, I think is this is her third or fourth nomination. Um, they love Penelope Cruz and she was in a, a Pedro Almodovar movie that is they lo- like critics absolutely love almodovar and so okay. they just they really like so are, they,
1: are they nominating penelope or are they nominating mm-hmm. this man by way of penelope yeah
2: I, well i don't know i, I again <laughs> that's one of the ones i haven't seen uh olivia coleman or olivia coleman won for the favorite, and she had like the one of the best speeches
3: i uh, do like her ago. a
2: lot um but like kristen stewart's actually the only person nominated that uh, maybe Jessica Chastain, but that had never been nominated before.
0: Right. Right. Well, and we were talking a little bit about that last week too, that like, really Kristen Stewart. But <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> because she we, because of and course, like our first introduction to her was like Twilight. Twilight. Right? So <laughs> well, and it's kind of a low bar. <laughs> you should actually, you should
2: check out the IMDB for Kristen Stewart because you get a lot of those people from those big tentpole franchises and you know daniel radcliffe emma watson rupert grint um right. when they made life-changing money you know they didn't ever ha- they never had to act again in their life if they didn't want to totally but they right. said we need to get out under the shadow of harry potter
3: yeah or
2: we need to get right. out under the shadow of twilight someone like yeah. uh, anna kendrick she was in twilight That's everybody's first experience with her. And she went and got nominated in 2008 or 2009 for
0: Up in the Air. Well, and now Robert Pattinson is playing Batman in like – which and the joke like, of
1: that? The joke. Have you seen the meme or the joke where it's like, "Oh man, uh, Robert Pattinson is the worst vampire." It took him this long to become a bat.
0: Yeah, it took fourteen
2: <laughs> years to become a bat. <laughs> nice. Um, That's uh, great. <laughs> I'm always. I'm very impressed. Like Daniel Radcliffe definitely did some weird stuff. You almost yeah. had to see those people who it's almost impossible to yeah. um to separate them from. Like it's hard to separate Daniel Radcliffe from Harry Potter. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I have never seen a Twilight movie, so I can't. I don't have that. But Kristen Stewart actually went and did a lot of art house films. Like she intentionally honed her craft, and she would choose products. Um, There was one that came out four or five years ago called uh, "The Clouds of Sils Maria," and she she worked um, beside I don't have her name, but a a very renowned French actress, and it was in France. Um, And so she, she intentionally chose these roles to hone her craft, but she has gotten the most blowback out of anyone. Emma Watson chose maybe some more accessible. My favorite movie from the last 10 years is, uh, the perks of being a wallflower. So good. It's so good. I love it. It's not nominated for anything, but it's just fantastic. Um, I have the book by my bedside right now. Um, So I'm trying to go through it, but it's really hard to like separate it from the movie I've seen. Yeah. But Kristen Stewart intentionally went a route to maybe get, she was in movies that were outside of the public eye. Yeah. With the intention of, I need to, you know, like a snake shedding their skin. I need to shed this off. She still hasn't because for some reason everybody hates her and I don't get it because she is so good. (sighs) Um,
1: I don't hate her, but I think it's probably because, again, I have seen Twilight and I still feel like she is that awkward character from Twilight in a lot of ways. But I think I'm probably just undervaluing that maybe she is like that is just really good acting that she's now taking and has grown from her role in Twilight to what it is now. Like my mom, and my sister saw Spencer which is what she's nominated mm-hmm. for as playing Diana. Um, and they said like, it was actually quite, like quite good. Um, and I mean, I'm obsessed with the Royal family and I still haven't seen it, which I don't know what that is. It, I think I'm boycotting it.
2: because It's not the, <laughs> it's the crown. Thriller. It's not Downton Abbey. It's not what you think it is. It's a psychological right. thriller is what it is. It's like three right. or four days of her life near the, like,
1: towards the end, towards yeah.
2: the end. Um, yeah
1: it's probably more portraying her experience with like the British press.
2: Yeah. It's actually, it's actually a movie more about mental health than anything and how she's struggling with the weight of what she was dealing with.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, And that actually, it's, it's a great um, uh, circle back to the, one of the first things we talked about, which is my favorite start or parts of movie is the right. Our movies are writing, you know, Mm -hmm. the story. Yeah. And I think if people looked honestly at twilight, they would see that you've got three incredibly talented young actors in Robert Pattinson, Anna Kendrick, and Kristen Stewart. And yeah, they were just starting out, but the writing in that is not great. From what I've read, I have not seen it, but the idea is that it's it wasn't adapted well. It was adapted in a way as a cash grab for, The book audience at the time they they brought it out so quickly right after the books yeah Yeah. right yeah
1: and I mean really it it followed the story that was written quite closely but it was a very new author she was not like I don't know I think there was there's some things that came out that you know the storyline came from a dream or something like that like it just was (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, I think like they were just trying to capture the lightning in a bottle that the books were, and trying totally. to adapt it into totally. film again, like you yeah. said, kind of as a cash grab thing, which is fair from like a business standpoint. Hey, get, like get paid, good business move. Nothing else. When you can, right? <laughs> yeah, get exactly. paid when you can. Yeah. yeah. Um. But like, I think whether like, or not Oliver, those holla Adala. Like I don't know. <laughs> um. You but know? I,
2: yeah, I I think that she more than anyone has struggled to come out of that. And I think maybe it's because right. she went so reclusively into other film, like into films that no one knew and they, people can't separate her from that original character. Yeah. Cause she is, right. she is kind of that awkward character. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, I thought she was fantastic in it and I'm glad that she was nominated. Um, Robert Patton. From the
1: snippets that I've seen. Yeah. Like it's so, she, she, not that I obviously didn't know Princess Diana personally though I would have loved to Um, but she from the interviews that we see of Princess Di she captures her character very well which is yeah again I don't know who else they would have cast for that role if not Kristen Stewart I don't know if there was like I don't know who else was even in the running for it but
2: yeah well I mean the crown's coming out and Elizabeth Debicki right but I think Elizabeth Debicki's like four inches tall. Like it's this yeah, like she's weird, so, tall. so much taller. And so <laughs> yeah. it's just like, a. Yeah. Weird, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Uh, we we, <laughs> actually, yeah. we actually started watching the crown maybe like That's a month and it. a half ago, but uh, the it. movies just kind of took over for me. So, but like Robert Pattinson, he stayed out of the limelight, but he's actually mm-hmm. gone the same routes. Um, and for some reason I've like, maybe it's a, uh, uh, culture of misogyny that we're okay with Robert Pattinson taking his time and moving into that. Now he's got right. a tent pole in the Batman, but like he sure. was in good time, which is a safety brother from three or four years ago. That's mm-hmm. like really like gritty. Um, people don't really know about it. He was in the lighthouse, which yes. came out two years ago, which is like Robert Eggers. Who's this weird. All of his movies are weird. And the lighthouse is the weirdest of them, uh, but like good. But it was just completely off the rails. It's him and uh, William H Macy. I can't remember who the other. There's two of, two guys going crazy in the lighthouse, essentially. Wow. Yeah.
1: Willem Dafoe. That's... Willem
2: Dafoe. Sorry, I get those yeah. two mixed up. Yeah, Willem yeah. Dafoe. Yeah. William H Macy. Both kind of the same ageish kind of person. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, so like he. Went that route. Anna Kendrick just kind of jumped right into um, up in the air, pitch and then perfect. well, yeah. so yeah, and then she she started then, going towards hey, Pitch Perfect, yeah, which yeah, shout out Pitch Perfect. That's a good movie. So good, good movie.
1: So so good.
2: Um, yeah. So I mean, that was a little bit of a tangent, but tangent. <laughs> that Best Actress it's is always kind of a, a a little bit of an outlier where the movies mm-hmm. don't tend to line up, and this year they actually did. So I still have to see The Lost Daughter, Parallel Mothers, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and Worst Person in the World. Those are like the four four main ones that I still need to get to. Mm -hmm. So,
0: Cool.
1: What about, um, do you want to just give us your prediction for music then? The original song and the original score?
0: Um,
2: Dune's going to win original, yeah, Dune's going to win original score and then uh, Billie Eilish for No Time to Die will likely win. Sweet. um yeah like the below the lines i don't really know as much i had the odds up usually i'd go with them um documentary is likely going to be flea um mm-hmm. so we'll get that whole documentary will be in the um in the broadcast so hopefully we'll get a good right one from there um oh you know what actually flea might not win there's another movie that's worth watching um I don't know about you guys, but we, so Hulu, we have Hulu down here. And Summer of Soul um, is a music documentary made by Questlove. Oh, cool. And it's been winning a bunch of stuff. There's kind of a hit and miss. They don't know which one's going to win between the two. I think it's leaning towards Summer of Soul. Um, It's about, so when Woodstock was happening in uptown or uh, uh, upstate New York, um, there was a festival in Harlem. And it was like Sly and the Family Stone and all these predominantly black artists. And everybody knows about Woodstock. And they filmed this, and then the footage went missing. Or it just mm. sat in the basement. And then Questlove somehow got a hold of this stuff. And I was just reading, wow. him, he, won the, he won the BAFTA, the British one, today. Um, and he's been talking about how he, essentially for months had his 40 hours of concert footage or however much concert footage on loop. And he would just wow. write down timestamp every single moment that made him feel something. And he said, I'm going to oh, get wow. that in my movie. I'm going to get that in my movie. And so it's just like cool. this, and, and, and it's, you know, they're coming out of a lot of racial, um, pushback and, you know, the black community struggling with uh, directions from the mayor and from the police in in Manhattan in New York um and so it's like this microcosm of you know we're still dealing with it now but it's this microcosm of black artists maybe not being as um shown in the public sphere but also right. what they were dealing with at that time when it comes to like pushback and that so summer of soul oh, uh, wow. it's it's in my top 5 as well
1: summer of soul
2: yeah. Cool. I feel like I've said a lot of movies are in
0: my top five, but I promise you there was only five. <laughs> I was going to say. No, if I've heard top should...
1: ten more than I've heard yeah. top five.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but maybe um, for anyone listening, like, what would be your recommendations for movies like You Must See This? Um, if I think you had said earlier like top three or something, like the three movies that you really should see before you watch the Oscars.
2: Yeah, uh, Coda is probably the easy, uh, most easily digestible. Movie, mm-hmm. um, *Summer Soul* is if you can find it. Again, I'm not sure if it's available in Canada. If if you can get it in Canada, absolutely watch it. Um, cool. uh, *The Long Goodbye* is on Netflix. It is a, it's like thirteen minutes short. You should all. Okay, that's one you can absolutely. There actually, there's a there's an article. I'm not. Maybe we can put it in the show notes or something, but it's on Variety. I'm going to
0: legitimately watch that as soon as we finish yeah. this. Yeah,
2: part <laughs> uh, it is harrowing. It is a tough 13 minutes. They pack a lot into that 13 minutes and it doesn't okay. come until about the sixth or seventh minute when stuff hits the fan. Okay. Um, no, so on Variety, uh, Variety.com, there is, uh, you can search and anybody listening can search. Uh, it says Oscar's streaming guide where to watch all 38 feature film nominees. So it has actually not all thirty-eight. It has some of the shorts as well, but you can actually find a lot of them on prime Netflix. Um, and so it's a great guide that you can go there and take the information from this podcast and distill it into, okay, well, here's where I can watch it. Do I have access to those? But for me, yeah, yeah. um, Coda, Summer of Soul, which are both of my top five, I assume everyone has Disney Plus. If you want a nice, mindless, have a lot of fun, it's free guy. Um, Tick Tick Boom is on Netflix. Uh, It's great. Um, Yeah, like those probably three or four. I mean, those are plus The Long Goodbye. Those are in my upper echelon of films this year. So just personally, I want to share with the film or with people the films that I enjoy the most so they can check Mm -hmm. those out. Awesome. Cool. Um, Andrea did ask quickly, and I i know we're running a little bit long, but the biggest snubs and like what weren't mm-hmm. expected and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest snub in my eyes was Denny Villeneuve, who directed Dune, which somehow won every technical category, and yet the person mm-hmm. who was directing those technical categories didn't get nominated.
0: That's and crazy. And I love wow, Denny Villeneuve.
2: He did Arrival and Enemy and Prisoners, and uh, yeah, he's fantastic uh lady gaga was expected to get for best actress house oh of gucci? for house of gucci house of gucci oh wow um she's uh i don't think people liked her as much like i think there's a little bit of a pushback on her and i love that movie it was enjoyable it's not my top 10 but it was a very very fun romp of a movie i cool.
1: haven't seen that one yet but
2: <laughs> um there was like the surprise of drive my car getting four nominations for a Japanese film. It is critically adored. They love mm. that film. Um, uh, the opposite of the snub which a movie that probably shouldn't be in there is don't look up. Oh, it's a yeah.
0: best picture again. Yeah. I enjoyed it. We, we talked about that a little bit there, Andrea last week, yeah. but. but it's a, yeah, that. it's
2: very heavy handed. It's definitely not one of his best movies. Um, but that's probably one that benefited from the category going back to 10 this year.
0: Mm. Okay.
2: Yeah. Um, in supporting actress Katrina Katrina Balfi was snubbed, but Judy Dench got in. So Katrina Balfi, who is the mother was being like everything. She was nominated for everything. And then all of a sudden Judy Dench got nominated for Oscars and it's like, Oh, they just like Judy Dench. That's kind of the feeling. Right. Sorry, uh, and
1: what does, what does she play?
2: She, so Judy Dench is the grandmother of the family and Katrina Balfi is the mother. Oh,
3: so sure. Judy Dench sure. is okay. Katrina
2: Balfi's mother. Um, right. And then the last one, in which Belfast. is, yeah, which is just like a crazy, like first time in history is um, flee, which we've mentioned a couple times, the documents on the refugees. Uh, it's the first movie to ever be nominated for a documentary animated, and international film.
3: Oh, wow. Because
2: it's super unlikely for any of those movies to coalesce at the same time
0: kind of thing. That's a pretty unlikely Venn diagram of nominations happening for those three categories. Yeah.
1: Probably the one that sticks out is the animated feature, right?
2: Yeah, it's super unlikely. You can definitely get some internet. There's definitely been crossover from international to documentary, but it's rare that it's... And actually, the reason it's animated is because um he it's anonymous, so the filmmaker oh, actually made it anonymously. I totally forgot to mention this earlier, but um it, he's essentially made it an anonymous anonymously so that he doesn't show his own face,
0: but he still gets to tell his complete story. Wow, huh that's interesting. that one's on Hulu as well, so that kind of reminds me just like a you saying that too like the anonymous bit reminds me of a band that I've really been getting into called Sleep Token. And I think I mentioned this on one of our episodes of Upload Download, Andrea, but mm. these guys are from the UK and they're a completely oh, yes. anonymous group. Nobody yeah. knows who any of the members are, but they just like, they have two full albums out and the guy's voice is super unique and incredible, but they wanted to let the music speak for itself in that way. So they decided to remain anonymous as a group. Huh. Which is interesting, interesting. because
2: a lot of bands, they, they exist because of their touring
0: revenue. Yeah.
1: Or their, or just merely their identities. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like, so when when they actually do performances, they have they all have masks on. Oh, okay. So they do tour, yeah. but there's yeah, they okay. yeah, they tour, but they do so
1: anonymously.
0: Okay. In a way that they're not showing their faces. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Cool.
2: Like the cool. DJ and cool. Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. you has anyone seen that one? <laughs>
0: I haven't. yet. I think I got like five <laughs> minutes into it, and then I was like, "This doesn't look interesting to me. I'll come back so to it later." Fake... But I do actually want to see right. it.
2: This is a just like this is not for everyone. It's pretty crude <laughs> humor and stuff, but it's a fake J- Justin Bieber uh, documentary. Sweet. Uh, it's like a par- It's like a parody, oh, and it's Andy okay. Andy Samberg. And I watched Person. it the first time, and if I go back through my list, it's not high.
3: It's really <laughs> low
2: on that one. And then I thought, I should give that one another try. And I gave it another try and I was like, oof, that's got some staying power. (laughs) And then I watched it again and I'm like, yeah, that's actually cool. Like this one's growing on me. I've seen it 30 times. It's another one of those movies that I'll just (laughs) kick it on every once in a while.
0: That's awesome. (gasps) That's hilarious. Oh my Uh, goodness. It was
2: 76th out of 86 that year.
3: Wow.
2: Um, And it's probably one of the 10 or 15 movies that I go back and watch when I'm bored. That's (laughs) fun, so. Just a maverick. Yeah, I don't know how it, like, I hated it when it came out, and just it it (laughs) sunk its teeth into me, and uh, I just didn't let go.
1: Amazing.
0: Um, I've got I've got one more question for you, and it's sure. a question I ask at the end of every interview. Um, and I guess pertaining to this conversation, we definitely have talked a lot about Oscars um, and film in general. So maybe I'll split it into two questions. What's one thing that you wish people knew about the Oscars, and what's one thing you wish people knew about film? Mm.
2: Um, I wish people knew about film that the uh, the movies that make the most money don't necessarily have to be good movies. They're being Mm. manipulated by a marketing machine. And some of them are decent enough movies that they can get people in the seats and stuff. But um, there's a common complaint that there, I I was actually reading stats this morning. There's a common complaint that um, there's too many sequels. There's too many reboots. Mm. There's too many remakes. You know what? There's only 4.2% of movies in this past year that were sequels, re- reboots, or remakes. It means there's 95.8% of movies that people just aren't being exposed to because of right. the algorithm. Like That sounds very yeah. conspiracy theorist. Of yeah, because me. of the marketing. There, you're being fed movies that you're like, okay, and yeah, I No Way Home was good. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse three years ago was my favorite movie of the year. Like There's, there's stuff being pushed, but there are so much more... Or there's so much more out there that people can be exposed to if they um, if they only kind of open up their uh, their eyes to the like past where their algorithm is. So mm. right. Um, and as for the Oscars, um, people should know that the the movie that wins Best Picture isn't necessarily the best film of the year truth it's yeah it's there's a lot of politicking that goes into it and that's why i approach the oscars as a way to um just expose myself to more movies that are out there that i didn't know about before
0: cool yeah yeah i love that
1: is there a place that people can go like you're just talking about like getting beyond the algorithm to find more of those movies like is there a hub of fle- like I I can go on IMDB and see that Robert Pattinson was in a movie that I've never seen, or, you know, I never got around to seeing Tenet, but he was in Tenet. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, I should watch that movie. But is there like a hub that people can go to, to see like all upcoming movies being released?
2: I think it's a matter of choosing um, the content that we consume in that stuff. And so Letterboxd is, I, I joined it years ago. And there was a um, a friend actually going back to my, uh, my best man, Dave, who got me into this, his roommate at the time, Chris Vandenberg. Um, he now lives in Toronto and I still keep in touch with him, but he's been on letterbox for years. And so I got mm-hmm. on there and started using some of, and reading his Letterboxed and being exposed to different movies that I wasn't expecting to be, uh, to see. But I think, it's hard sometimes to know who you should check out. So there's a couple, um, check me out on letterboxd, um, check out Chris Vandenberg on letterboxd. He does a lot of Ethereum. He sees way more movies than me. Um, but he's like, he sees some weird stuff. Um, he's in Toronto. So he gets to go to TIFF, the Toronto international film festival. Um, Mm -hmm. awards radar is my go-to. Um, it's like I said, the guy who runs it, Joey, he's, super friendly. He's actually today, at right now, at the Critics' Choice Awards in LA. So nice. Um, The one that might be the most accessible and kind of the most fun, just to, you're not going to see, I follow him on Twitter, his name is David Ehrlich. David and then E-H-R-L-I-C-H. He puts out, once a year, my favorite piece of content. Um, It is a 15 20 30, 25 minute movie where he counts down his top 25 I think movies of the year but he does it Ooh. where and this year he's he's like I almost didn't do it cuz he he's got a 2 year old at home and he didn't have couldn't get do all, through all the editing um yeah. <laughs> but he essentially takes music from all of the nominations it is the most it's the most enjoyable if i could put that number 1 on my list every year i would hmm. so he essentially takes music and then takes clips from each one of his top twenty fives and puts it all to music,
3: oh, that's and it is cool. so oh. cool.
2: And like this year, there's some really interesting music, and so like, yeah, it was. It's just kind of a fascinating little twenty minute video every year where his top movies, and I like, I bookmark it and I wait for it every year. Hmm. So, awards cool. radar, check me out on Letterboxd, and uh, go check out uh, David Ehrlich on. Twitter. I think I think he does the videos on Vimeo. They're free to watch, okay. so it's worth it's worth the time to check them out.
3: Cool,
0: awesome, cool. And uh, where where can people find you if they want to follow you? Uh, I think you just search by name on uh, Letterbox the so Chad Utke U T K E,
2: uh, and then my Twitter is at Chad Utke. Same thing. Um, yeah, usually I'm not doing as much film stuff on Twitter, but come say hi i'll point you towards the letterbox but letterbox is kind of the the go-to for uh where you'll be able to see i usually put a snippet about pretty much everything i see so
0: yeah Sweet. well thanks chad this was yeah. for this me. was awesome it's like the deepest deep dive and i love it like i know i don't i don't even mind that it's that it's a bit of a longer episode i'm here for it i think there's so much great content in here and this was really fun so thanks, man. Appreciate I guess the, fu-
2: the fun part is now we just have to put like a secret code word in. So if anyone made it to this point. Yeah. Tweet at me. They can like. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's try and see something we've got. Um, tr- Nerf uh, War. Nerf War. Nerf yeah, War. Because there we I, go. There was a Nerf War outside of the house when I was starting this recording. So if you I get to this it. point, send me a message Nerf War. We'll have a little chat and I'll, maybe I'll give you a, yep. <laughs> a look into my spreadsheets.
0: And comment on the Instagram post for this episode when it comes out, too. Yeah, we, so cool. we know you made it to the end. Heck yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. Thanks for having me, guys. Cool. Thanks, Chad. Thanks,
1: Chad.